Welcome to Massive Damage Adventures, a one-shot actual play role-playing game podcast. My name is Merrick Moyer. I'm the Dungeon Master, Storyteller, Lore Master, and All-Around Host. Every month, I run a one-shot using a different system, pulling in a different cast of players. All intellectual properties, including game material, setting material, music, and whatever else, is used without permission. None of it is ours. We're just using it to enhance our gameplay. But, an extra special thank you to Hayden Lister for letting us use his song Rediscovery as our intro. Check out more of his music at ReverbNation.com slash Hayden Lister. H-A-Y-D-E-N-L-I-S-T-E-R. Also, please rate and subscribe and follow us on Twitter at SkyHammerK and on Instagram at SkyHammerPress. If you want to run your own games and need a few ideas... Check out our Roll D4 adventure prompts on social media. And if you pledge a dollar a month at patreon.com slash skyhammerpress, you get four full adventure seeds on every Roll D4 adventure. The Android universe was a weekly, if not daily, part of my life for four or five years. I got the Netrunner Living Card Game by Fantasy Flight Games for Christmas one year, tried to play it once, and was scared away by the historically confusing rulebook. A few months later, I sat down again, determined to learn it. This time, I learned. And I didn't stop playing until Fantasy Flight Games lost the license and the official game was dead. It does live on through a fan initiative called Project Nisei, but I've never gotten involved with it. When the official game was running, I played it on my lunch hours at the office, listened to podcasts, watched tournaments on Twitch and YouTube, and competed up to the nationals level in Western Canada. I even ran a blog with deck lists, fiction, and play reports. When I moved provinces, I set up a weekly Netrunner night at a local shop and built the Nanaimo play scene from the ground up. Shout out to Two-Headed Giant, a wonderful shop that isn't around anymore, as well as to the Victoria Netrunners, who were always wonderful and welcoming. A few of those Netrunners even playtested a Genesis RPG hack I made long before Shadows of the Beanstalk was an official sourcebook. The Android universe has been portrayed in board games, the Netrunner card game, and a number of tie-in novels, and it is a Fantasy Flight Games uh, property. Whereas, just to be clear, Netrunner, the mechanics originally were owned by Wizards of the Coast, uh, developed in the 90s from a game by Richard Garfield, and in the early 2000s, licensed by Fantasy Flight Games and attached to the Android setting to create the game that I played a whole bunch So, you can see that I love this world. Android is the type of cyberpunk that I adore. It has the trappings of the genre with corporations, hackers, espionage, and transhumanism. But it's also a lot more hopeful than other cyberpunk settings. FFG had a mission. They wanted to be inclusive and show diversity in their game. 
And by doing that, they also reinforced the heart of their setting, that people are people, flawed, but still inherently valued, and I think relatively good. It's a bright, chrome-filled world with seedy, dark underbellies. Although corporations are exploiting everything and everyone they can, exploration, both net and near space, are advancing. Even the disenfranchistos and the downtrodden have goodness in their lives. It's not all complete dystopia all the time. Even though the wealth gap is still inconceivably large, New Angeles, the main city of the setting, is home to a space elevator that has improved all sorts of businesses and livelihoods, and a second space elevator is being built in Africa, creating a massive uh, social and infrastructure improvement in uh, Kampala. Mars is colonized, and intelligences on the net and in your labor solutions are stirring. When I was diving back into this setting, I figured something out. Dungeons and Dragons is the game that's based on titanic fantasy tropes that you find in things like The Lord of the Rings. Cyberpunk has a few monolithic founders like Blade Runner and Akira and more recently that I would argue The Expanse. To me, Android is the setting that does the same thing for cyberpunk that D&D does for fantasy. It gives you a toolbox of tropes, a cool setting, and an open world. There are movers and shakers, named characters from the various games and books, but it's also easy to imagine countless operatives, adventurers, runners, and corporate execs moving around in the world doing their own thing. Anywho. So, what is unique about the Android setting? The core idea is the Android. About 30 years ago, two megacorporations had near-simultaneous breakthroughs in synthetic labor. Jinteki Biotech made clones, and Haas Bioroid made bioroids, robots. Crucially, these synthetic androids are not considered people, so they're heavily exploited with all the various ethical and moral quandaries. Another main cornerstone is the existence and monopoly of megacorporations. The big four, Jinteki, HB, NBN, and Wayland, and their subsidiaries, run pretty much everything. Two other main pillars of the setting are the net and transhumanism. Decades previous, the internet was what we know it to be now, a hodgepodge of interconnected networks. Then there was the blackout. A massive virus took down every network on the planet, with the exception of the Sync Network Protocol. That became the core blueprint for a huge new interconnected network. And now, netrunners abuse those base protocols to go anywhere and everywhere. It's an explanation for why there's a baseline expression for the internet and why netrunners have the ability to move around as freely as they do. As for transhumanism, besides trying to decide if bioroids and clones are people, humanity stretches itself to new horizons. 
Gmods redesign their bodies and their unborn children with enhancements, and cyborgs replace their meat parts with metal parts. Like I said, I love this world. I want to play more in it, and I wish more people could be exposed to this incredible setting. But, that's enough about the setting, a bit about the game. Shadows of the Beanstalk is a source book for the Genesis RPG, which is a generic system that was originally developed for the Fantasy Flight Games Star Wars line, Edge of the Empire. Then it was stripped out to apply to whatever you wanted it for. Genesis uses the narrative dice system with a bunch of colorful and custom-faced polyhedrals. In short, there are six custom dice with symbols and blanks. You roll a handful of dice, cancel various symbols, and come up with a result that the game master and players interpret. When you make a dice pool, the GM sets the difficulty between 0 and 5. That's the number of purple difficulty dice you add to your pool. Then, based on your stats, you add a number of green ability dice. The D8 ability dice have successes and advantage faces, and the D8 difficulty dice have failure and threat faces. Failures cancel successes, and threat cancels advantage. After you cancel faces, you see if you succeeded or failed, and if there are any advantages, positive circumstances, or threats, negative circumstances. Now, if you are skilled in whatever action you want to do, you upgrade your green ability dice into yellow proficiency dice. Proficiency dice are d12s with better odds as well as the triumph face, a critical success. If you're up against a particularly dangerous adversary or challenge, the purple difficulty dice might be upgraded to red challenge dice. These are also d12s with less favorable odds, and they also have the despair symbol for a critically negative circumstance. Now, to be clear, even if you roll a despair, you don't necessarily fail your check. It's not like rolling a natural one. It just means something big and bad happens. Lastly, there are boost and setback dice. These represent the circumstances around you, such as help, equipment, environmental effects, and so on. Boost dice are positive, setback dice are negative. They have six sides, and the boost dice are kind of like this light blue, gray, white, and the setback dice are black. What they do is they let the game master make each die pool, each dice pool, unique. On the player side, boost and setback dice can be added through various actions like aiming or through talents that trigger based on circumstances. Someone on Twitter said that if you want every die roll in your game to feel like a short ritual, you should play with the narrative dice system, and they were on the money. What this system does in-game is decouple success and failure from positive and negative circumstances. You can succeed at jumping from one speeding hopper to another, but if you get threat, you might jostle the driver and put the car into a dive. Or maybe you get a despair, and the hopper you were jumping from veers off and runs into something, potentially delaying your backup. Maybe you failed your check, but you rolled a bunch of advantage, so instead of landing on top of the hopper or falling to your death, you snag the guardrail 
and you're hanging on to the hopper, dangling above the New Angeles streets. The dice force the players at the table to describe cool things. Sometimes it is mentally taxing, but other times it's pretty exciting. For our game today, I used a quick adventure idea from the back of the Shadows of the Beanstalk book. Corporate espionage mixed with weapons testing mixed with the downtrodden in the Undercity. One day, I'd love to run a campaign in Shadows of the Beanstalk. Unfortunately, Fantasy Flight Games has gone pretty quiet about their RPG lines in the last half year. A whole bunch of people were laid off, and we haven't seen any mention of RPGs on their website since April. Nothing about new projects in the works. So, if you like the sound of this game, you should go get it now. Go buy some of the custom dice now. There's no telling how long they'll be in stock. So, on to the adventure. The final episode in Season 3 of Massive Damage Adventures. Today's story stars Jen Blackmoyer as Friction, a loony courier, Danielle Valich as Ion, a Gmod con artist, Ross Rideout as Camille El Fatik, a Gmod bounty hunter, Justin McDonald as Geis, a cyborg runner, and Corey Hicks as Spaz, a clone tech. All right. Before we actually fully, fully get started, we get to say that this episode is sponsored by Roll20. Woo! Super fun, always good. Uh, Roll20, this virtual tabletop that I am using, has sponsored the podcast, and that's cool. And so you can make your own games on Roll20 for free, or you can pay for a subscription to get additional features and no ads. And Roll20 is fun and cool. Okay, now let's go to this. Miata Lewis. Two weeks ago, so this is this is Miata speaking and explaining the mission to you. Two weeks ago, a rival codebuster that I know let slip that he'd helped line up some Prysec mercenaries for a field test on a new type of weaponry that Next Design is bringing to market. The test is taking place here in New Angeles, and it is definitely unsanctioned. I want you to observe the test, record the weaponry and the mercenaries, and bring me any evidence you can of Next Design's involvement. I'll turn the information in to the proper authorities anonymously, and if we're lucky, we might see Next Design sanctioned for illegal testing. That would reflect poorly on Haas Bioroid and position other interests to capitalize. The Codebuster's name is Clarence Quesada, and you can find him at the Speakeasy, a club in the Nihangai district. He'll have more information about when and where the test is on his pad, but it's crucial that he doesn't know that he was compromised, or, at the very least, it's crucial that he doesn't report anything suspicious to his superiors at Next Design. Any questions? 
And if you have any questions, feel free to start by introducing your character to the group and to the podcast. I have a question for the group. Does anyone have recording devices in their inventory? Assuming that's a no, uh, Miata, are you able to provide us with recording devices for the mission? I don't have any better access to anything than you would. I would say that once you have the information, uh, you'll have to gear yourselves up. Um, Would we be able to be paid in advance for purchasing the gear for this mission? Hmm. So, uh, as you're having this discussion with her, who are you, Mr. I am Camille Al-Fatik. I am a bounty hunter hired for this mission due to my tracking abilities, uh, general hunting people down, and also firepower backup. Okay. And uh, for background, Miata is sort of like a... Uh, she's a junior manager with Jinteki, so she doesn't have a lot of pull. This is her trying to pull off a job that is going to give her more clout. So, I would say that convincing her to pay you a little bit up front is not unreasonable, but it is hard. So you can go ahead and make a negotiation roll at a difficulty of three purple. Uh, Would I be able to argue that us being able to get the proper recording equipment would increase the chances of the mission being a success and therefore it being an increased success for her as well. So her giving us that advance and pulling whatever strings she needs to works in her favor. I'd say that's worth a boost, die. Three difficulty, you said? That's correct. And of course, I didn't actually describe, but Miata is uh, mixed heritage, sort of tan skin with uh, long, dark hair, uh, gold eyes that are probably G-modded, and a um, BMI on her uh, uh, the side of her head where uh, a body machine interface, bio-machine interface, where uh, she can hook hard lines into her head to work with computers more quickly. Very cool. Very, very cool. Do I know about how much this kind of recording device would cost? So, here's here's where I'm mm. going to jump in. So, uh, my theory Ooh. is that my character works at a, like, basically like a low-end pawn shop style like gun shop and tech shop and like where you could like he's just a retailer there he just works there he doesn't own it or anything but like i assume they would have a bunch of these recording devices and he would have good understanding of how much that would cost and he would be able to uptick that price a little because he's also a skeezy salesman that works at a retail shop in the bad end (laughs) that sounds really cool why don't you introduce ourselves Hey, yeah, so, like, my my name's Spaz, guys, and I, I work at this shop down... No, dude, I totally, I can I can hook us all up, guys, and it'll be totally cool. Don't worry, man, you just, yeah, it's, but no, for real, like, keep going. I'll, I'll hook us up, though, but just give me the cash. 
<laughs> Love it. That sounds like a um, a help other action, which would give uh, Ross in this case a boost die, unless you are trained in negotiation. Are you? No. Uh, no, I'm not trained in negotiation. Okay, then that's a second boost die for Ross. As Spaz comes in and says, look, I can get a good deal, but I need the money. Um, And then for cost, um, all of your pads are able to record. Um, If you have smart specs, you can probably record a little bit better. Um, If you are looking for high-resolution recording devices, those are going to start getting expensive in the three to 400 credit range. All of our pads, you said? Yeah, basically, everybody's got a pad, most likely. Um, and it's basically a, a big cell phone. So even if it doesn't show up in our inventory, it's kind of like... It, it doesn't say you've got your car keys, but you've got your car keys. Pretty much. Yeah, it's not necessarily big, big, but I mean, like, it's got more computing power than our cell phones today. Inconceivable. <laughs> As I, if got, you could... I got two failure and an advantage. Okay. So she says, I'm pulling on um, discretionary funds for competitor research for this. So everything needs to be itemized very specifically. I can offer you a total of 5,000 credits after the information has been authenticated, but I cannot do anything beforehand. That's okay. You know, um, Miata, like I've never let you down before. And this is like a really cool kind of like opportunity. I'm so glad you thought of checking me out on the app. I mean, we, I'm sure they look really confident. I'm sure we can get this. So uh, my character's name is um, Friction. She is a courier. Like, she's a courier who works around the city with an app, kind of like Uber Eats. And people will pick her to, like, courier documents between buildings or bring them lunch and coffee. Um, So um, Miata uses her a lot for different stuff. But this is her first kind of team job where she's doing something that seems more important than just bringing a package from A to B. So she's really eager to try to do a really good job. She is short. Um, she has like short gray hair, like um, picture like K-pop hair. Um, <laughs> and she has uh, robotic cat ears and a full face mask because air is disgusting and a full pink visor. She looks dope. She is dope. Do Ion or Geis have anything to add to the conversation and introduce themselves? I can go. Uh, I'm Geis. Uh, I'm a runner. Uh, I've got ties to Globosec. And uh, really, I prefer to be hooked into the networks. 
more than I prefer to be, you know, out in the real world. Uh, so, you know, I'm the strong, silent type. Um, I'm looking forward to this mission. I have a military background, and I'm not really sure where my, you know, corporate career and military career really has began, began and ended, but um, I'm just here for the credits and here to, uh, to make sure that this mission goes well and that our operations are a success. So in the background, in the back, like nodding solemnly. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm just my my spinal modem is itching for a connection. And if this uh, mission is successful, uh, you're likely to pull down about a thousand credits. And if you do it above and beyond, you could even consider uh, favors from Miata or Jinteki. So my character is Ion. Um, I grew up in the slums in this city, and I basically went to the school of hard knocks. So I kind of learned to be a bit of a con artist, and that's how I have brought myself up. Um, uh, yeah, just growing up. Um, so I and I have like a chameleon G mod, so I think that'll be really helpful. Um, cause I should be able to disappear in a crowd if I need to, and just kind of blend in or look the part, even if normally I wouldn't. That's cool. Excellent. So, um, Miata has said that you'll be able to find this Clarence Quesada at the speakeasy. Um... It's sort of the hangout that he goes to. <laughs> it's sort of the hangout that he goes to uh, most evenings. And how you get the information is up to you. You're the professionals. So, what do you want to do? Distract him and steal his pad and then have Camille or um, Justin, how do you say your name? Dice? Dice, like, hack into it while we distract him from knowing his pad is missing? Sounds good to me. Oh, Geist, no T, sorry. And um, what Geist would know is that if you are within eyesight of uh, Quesada, you will probably be able to wirelessly uh, connect to his pad. That's cool. Yeah, my spinal modem is... Uh... Is wireless. Mm -hmm. So, is there anything that people want to do, or should we cut straight to the speakeasy? Yes. I was just going to say, Ion could use her chameleon circuit to, like, look cool in the club to distract him. Have you seen Ion's picture? She doesn't need chameleon skin to look cool in the club. She <laughs> looks dope. No, she doesn't. I guess I meant to disguise herself so it didn't look like herself. For espionage also uh, friction Geist, adjustment are, of this sorry uh guys are you vulnerable at all when when you're hacking i mean definitely I, I would think that my attention is split so i mean the moment that i'm that i'm in um it would be it would be ideal if i had somebody watching over me 
I can so that play... I can't be physically interfered with while I'm trying to run this ice. I can play backup for Geist when he's uh, while he's doing the hack. So there's a cool thing about that mechanically. Because you have a spinal modem, you have the option to go deep. So you can do a run and be aware of things around you, or you can go deep. You no longer are aware of anything in the physical world, but you're able to take a free maneuver on every turn while running. Oh yeah, I always go deep. <laughs> Damn! Good thing we're at the club. I can just be taking care of my drunk, passed-out friend. Hey. Oh, and of course, um, Miata would have uh, given you uh, an image of Clarence, so you know who to look for. Have we have we completely left Miata yet? Oh, okay. Not yet. I did so want to ask yeah. her if this is the only crew she's hired for this. She says. Certainly, that would be a breach of trust. I would never hire a second crew on one job. I don't know about that, man. Could I roll like a, a inside check on that man? Uh, so yeah. Um, so Ross, that's just perception, isn't it? Is or is it or is it vigilance? That's a good question. Give me a sec here. Um, oh, wait, it's social interactions. I got it right here. Deception is opposed by vigilance. So if she is deceiving you, you would be rolling uh, your vigilance skill. And let me just pull up her stats. Does someone have good vigilance? Uh, so the difficulty is average, two purples. So Spaz rolled. And... I did. Oh, okay. So she said that she would never hire a second crew on one job. That would be a breach of trust. So roll mine and then two? Yeah. So you can roll your vigilance with uh, two purples as a difficulty. And Corey, if you wanted to re-roll, you could do that and add in the two purples. Or you could just, I don't know, just roll two purples and we could check it against it. I did nothing. Nope. Uh, yeah, I got no results. Uh, yeah, Jen rolled nothing. So you can't quite read. Like, you, you trust her. You've worked with her before. Um, Spaz gets three success and two threat. And you're eyeing her. And she's getting a little uncomfortable with how much attention you're giving her. Um, but she seems on the level. She does not appear to have hired another crew. All right, I guess I believe you. Let's go, guys. Um, and she does give you a picture of Clarence Quesada, a dark-skinned man with bright purple hair. Uh, he looks like he might be like he's a he's a corporate guy who might freelance as a runner. Sometimes he's got that kind of aesthetic. He looks like he might spontaneously grow a hog snout and tusks. Is what he looks like, right? <laughs> Okay, so, um, is there anything you want to prepare before you move to the speakeasy? Mm, I got nothing. Let's um, find out what the situation is. 
Yeah, I don't think there's anything for me to prepare. The Speakeasy. It's sort of like a middle-class club. Um, it is a couple of blocks down from the Jinteki headquarters, so it's definitely the place where a lot of their people uh, hang out. Now, Clarence Quesada doesn't work for Jinteki, so it's a little bit odd that he likes this place, but apparently he's a regular. Um, the club is loud and colorful and uh, on the sort of raised area behind you, you can see a couple of private booths where there are a number of uh, clone dancers. So there's um, three figures. Two are female, one is male, and they are incredibly similar because they are from the same sort of batch. Nice. And so as you're entering, you can see that there's a couple of couches, a couple of tables, there's a bar to your left, um, there's a dance floor to your right, and uh, through a sort of like brightly lit corridor, you can see another area that's a bit quieter with another bar, and uh, you can hear the sound of like pool um, pool tables. And uh, what do you do? Um, I'd like to sit down with my back to uh, to Clarence. So how do I ping? You should be able to move your token. Um, I'm going to go out to the dance floor and see if I see him and just kind of scope out the place while I'm just dancing because it doesn't seem too suspicious then. Sounds good. So Ion heads to the dance floor. Uh, Geis and Camille uh, take seats nearby Clarence. Friction heads to the bar and Spaz sits on Camille's lap. <laughs> Spaz is going to walk down this hallway here over where he heard the pool being played. Okay. All right. So, um, Ion, I would say that, uh, so are you trying to, uh, keep an eye on Clarence, like without being noticed? Um, yeah, I'm just going to try and sort of see what he's up to. Okay, so why don't you roll me a cool uh, at an easy difficulty. Um, so that's just one purple. And this is just to sort of like show that you're uh, not being suspicious out on the dance floor. And because there's a number of dancers and it's pretty busy, I'm also going to give you a boost die just because you're sort of melding with the crowd pretty well. Also, if you can keep his attention, that would be great. Okay, I'm left with one success. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm 
all for being a distraction. Maybe I could just do a crazy dance and distract him. Okay. So for now, you've you've uh, you've melded in, and you can see that he's uh, he's sitting around a table with a couple of friends. Uh, there's uh, three other people, and they're sort of in conversation, just enjoying themselves. If you want to sort of like become more of a, a, a distraction on the dance floor, then you can do another roll and tell me how you're doing it. Another cool role, or can she do a different role, but like look through her list and see if there's another skill that she wants to use? Precisely. Look through your list, find a skill that you would like to use, and uh, explain how it would be used. Uh, okay, so I'd like to use my coordination, because that's pretty good. And uh, yeah, that seems like it would be fitting. Yeah, yeah I think so. perfect. Okay, um, so I'm going to say that uh, your goal here is to draw the attention of people in the club. So that's going to be an average difficulty with one setback die. Now, because the group of people is working against you, because there's a lot of people out here. Should I use one of the story points to boost this? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so I have no would... objections. Or, I mean, do we want to save them for something a little more critical? I think it's like the points that when we spend them, the merit will spend them and we'll get them back. So they'll, they'll come and go. Yep. Oh, look at that. It gives you an update. I wonder how Roll20, like, it seems like every time we log in, the colors beside our names are different depending on the game. And those ones really coordinate with the room we're in. So, I wonder, do they pull hmm. the colors from the room? I changed my color. Oh, <laughs> Um, okay, so I got a failure with a threat. How is that possible? All right. So uh, you start to uh, show your moves, uh, but you're just kind of like not really getting the attention from other people. Like as you're dancing, everybody else is sort of just dancing more and keeping up with you, and you're not sort of differentiating yourself. And so, you know, Clarence and his group of friends don't look over. Uh, the threat might mean that you um, will have a harder time uh, sort of drawing attention just through dancing. I have something I can do if people don't have ideas that they want to do. For sure. So Friction, uh, you're sitting at the bar and the bartender has come by and offered you, uh, asked what you want um, and so on. What are you doing? I'm going to get a drink and I'm going to try to move over to the dance floor, but then like, oh no, I tripped and spilled my drink on him. I need to take him to the washroom to help him get dried off. Um, 
Yeah, and then and then if you take this pad, guys, you're good. If he or if he leaves it, you're good. If he takes it, you can just follow us to the bathroom like a weirdo. Uh, I should still be able. I don't know. Check my range anytime, uh, Merrick. But I should. Uh, should I not be able to sense his pad move into the washroom? Like, do I still have that connection? Yeah, you're close enough. Like, it should be fine. So yeah, I'll like get my drink and then I'll like move up forward, but then I'll do like that. Hey girl, hey! As I like walk up to the dance floor and it'll make me like, oops, trip. Classic. Okay, uh, so how do you want to roll that? Is that a deception? Is that a coordination? Well, is it be a coordination. coordination? Like I coordinatedly spill it on him and only him. Very specific. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so I would say that that's an average difficulty with two purple dice. Um, I don't think that there's much in the way of... Oh, actually, uh, there is one setback die. That's the black one? That's right. Do you have any talents that could help me with this? I don't. Alright, I'll roll it up. Oh, let me hold up. Where did the directions go? They're always in the top right. I don't see them. Oh, probably because it's uh, it's outside of the... It's in the black. I... Thank you. Okay, so that's a failure with advantage and a triumph? Yeah, so the success part of the triumph was cancelled. So you fail with basically an advantage and something really good. Okay, so how do I how do I fail? <laughs> do I miss him or <laughs> um yeah, I would say that as you're sort of doing this, the setback die was that the woman he's sitting beside is a G-mod with specifically uh, very fast reflexes. So as you trip, her hand shoots out and she knocks the drink away. And she looks at you and says, Be more careful, please. There are people sitting here. That is so cool. Can you do that again? I'm like so fascinated. Like... I like. I want to get these ears modded on to me one day, but like, I want. Wow! And I want to try to strike a conversation with her about how rad her robot arm is. Uh oh, she's not a cyborg. She's a G mod. It's all like genetically modified in speed. Oh, I super want to talk to her about that. And like, could I get genetic cat ears? Um, I would say that because you have advantage and the triumph part, that she kind of smiles and says. Clarence, make space. I was going to say, can I use a triumph to join in their conversation and be cool? Yeah. Baller. I mean, people like, people like to talk about their mods. Oh, yeah. I want to know all about all their mods. So Friction gets to sit down between Clarence and... Let me just grab her name. Uh... 
it is uh, she introduces herself as Sino. Cool. So I'll try to keep everyone engaged in conversation, I guess, and not looking You're at the in. cats. Yeah. And the other two are uh, Ruby and Raul. I immediately think they're all super cool and, and don't want to hurt any of their feelings. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And uh, so let's check in on what Spaz is doing, and then we'll start with uh, guys. So Spaz's plan is to sort of just hang out in this area in case he comes to the washroom to try and escape or if they need to funnel him this way. Um, so he's just like playing pool and just, just like playing pool and stepping out so that he can see him every once in a while and just walk into the bar. But then like slowly in this spot for like too long, just keeping an eye and then back to pool and that's his plan. All right. Uh, so that to me also sounds like a cool check. Um, which I would say is easy with a setback die. There's not a lot of uh, suspicious activity around here, but the two women at the pool tables look like they're kind of like, you know, they, they look a little bit overtuned for regular life. They're they're strong and capable looking. So uh you got a failure with three advantage. Um but we didn't want that much difficulty, right? Oh yeah, right. It should have just been a difficulty of one. So yeah, re-roll that. We're not good at these dice rolls, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new system with all new dice. There you go. Success with advantage. I just that one's missing the black. Oh. Now it is. <laughs> Sorry, what was that you said, love? I just mean we keep failing. There we go. I apologize. Wait, why is there so much green? Hold on. <laughs> How many green are you supposed to have? <laughs> Great job. I added a... Uh stuff to the dice pool at the top for my previous roll, and then I learned how to do the proper rolling, but I didn't cancel out the stuff at the top. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that one counts. <laughs> there we go. So, success with a threat. Cool, 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 cool. So, what we've learned, if you have dice in the top roller, and then you click your skill, it rolls them all together. There you go. So if you put the difficulties in the top and then click your skill, you're going to get an actual roll. Nice. Very nice. cool. This you can is... also add the, the extra dice to the modifier next to the skill. Oh, I thought that the modifiers were text. I haven't played them. No. So the question mark next to the modifier um, label, it tells you how to do it. It's like 1P, 1 black, 2P. Nice. Okay, so success with a threat is um, you are easily able to sort of like keep checking on everybody and moving back and forth, but uh, there's sort of like a little timer ticking where you can see that the two women in here are a little suspicious of you. I don't know how Spaz seems super unsuspicious at all times. Yeah, man, that guy just... Hey, give me another bear, yo! 
<laughs> okay, so uh, Camille is covering Geist, right? Uh, yep. There's actually something I wanted to do before Geist started his run. Sure. Let's do it. Uh, Geist, I'd like to go grab us drinks. I was going to suggest the same. Let's uh, let's like blend in. Let's make it look like we're not here for nefarious reasons. Well, you you want to uh, hang on to our table, right? So I can oh, go yeah. grab us drinks while you keep the table secure, which that's a pretty typical bar move. Hell yeah. And then while I'm grabbing drinks, I'm going to check in on uh, Clarence's table there. Absolutely. So do you want to make a perception check as you're uh, sort of walking by? Uh, sort of. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go up to the bar and order a couple of drinks, whatever guys said he wants. And for me, I'll just order like the equivalent of the house white, you know, something I can sip, but it's not going to get me loaded. Um, and then while the bartender's getting the drinks, I'm going to do the like one elbow lean, look over to the dance floor, but... I'm really actually looking in on the table to see if I can tell if they're armed or if anyone's looks like they're jacked or anything like that. Just try to assess the threats at Clarence's table. Sounds good. Okay, so then I would say a perception check at an average difficulty with a setback die just for the odd lighting conditions. So many lasers. Yeah, there's just neon lights everywhere. That's a big old three failure and four advantage. Okay, so I would say that um, you're not certain if any of them have any weapons. There's just too many shadows and you're too far away. But with your advantage, uh, you're fairly certain that, I mean, these look like, they look like nerds. (laughs) <laughs> like they're um Clarence is very clearly uh like a programmer and uh his friend group appears to be very similar. Nobody looks like they have any enhancements combat wise or much training that way. Cool. Um so what I'm gonna do is I'll bring the drinks back to our table. And then while uh, Geis is starting the run, I'll sip my drink, but using my left hand. And I'm going to have my right hand hidden with my brass knuckles ready to go. Okay. All right. So, we'll start the run. <clears throat> well, bef- before we start the run... Um... You know, while I just take the first few sips of my drink, is it possible for me to do, like, an assessment? Can I use system operations to do an assessment of exactly what I'm up against? Or do I just have to initiate the run and and manage, you know, whatever ice he has as it comes up? Yeah, so there's... This is where we're going to get into the specific rules. And there is no way to know what you're up against until you're in the run. Spoken like someone who's played the card game. I mean, I've played the card game. I just don't. I don't know how distinct, you know, how true to the card game it is, as far as I doing mean, a as run. Like, you know, your run. That's cool. Yeah. No, you're running. So I guess, I guess I'm committed. So I will just start the run. 
I'll, okay. I'll knock back my drink and uh, spark up the modem. Okay, so the first thing... Oh, yeah, go ahead, Ross. Uh, just a quintet quick interjection on what I'm going to be doing while Geiss is running. Um, aside from just like pretending like I'm talking to Geiss and sipping my drink, I'm going to be taking a little bit of a look around the dance floor if like there seems to be something coming from behind. I'll take that opportunity to look back and scope out who might be behind us, not just where the commotion is coming from, but a little bit more than that. But I'm just kind of keeping an eye on everything as well while he's doing the run. Sounds good. Okay, so when you initiate a run, you find an access point and you need to make a computer's hacking against the difficulty of the access point. His pad is, it's got average sort of over-the-counter security, which means the difficulty is average, too. If you succeed at that, then you get to see the structure of the system. Okay. So I just do my intellect, and then I just modify the dice rolls based on what my general skills offer. Yeah, so your computer's hacking should be nice and trained. Yeah. So yeah, two yellow, one green, uh, and then two purple, no setbacks. That's correct. Cool, here we go. All right, a success. And uh, to sort of further explain, uh, computer's hacking is sort of the the runner, the aggression, and computer's sysop is the is the defensive. Oh, okay. Okay, so now we get to use that lovely AR token and everybody gets to see what's going on. So if everybody scrolls down to the bottom of the map. Wicked. Cool. So this beautiful cyberspace... Uh, Vista opens up in front of you and you can see that the pad uh, has, you know, his regular basic information on it and then it's connected to the HB servers, which is where you want to be. You can tell that he has access to um, some research and experimentation files. There are personnel files that you could get to and there's a couple of other systems and you can see that they are protected by ice. You don't know what ice are protecting them until you engage with them. So this goes into sort of uh, an action-based economy. You can move anywhere in the system as an incidental, but you cannot uh, access any of the big squares unless the ice is uh, disabled. So you can take an action to try and break ice and you can take a maneuver to ready an icebreaker uh, the f however you have to bring your icebreaker up before you get to see what the first piece of ice is right. so right. it's kind of a, a, a guess until right. you know more and you may only have one icebreaker active at a time so you have two. You have a uh, corroder, which breaks barriers. Barriers just stop you from getting in. 
and you have a decoder, a Gordian Blade, which deals with code gates, which are these annoying ones that kind of run you around in circles and waste your time. The third type of ice are sentries. And if you run into them, they alert people on the system that a runner is intruding. Now, whatever ice you run into, you can always try and break it. Mm-hmm. It's just that a icebreaker makes it a lot easier. Think of it like a weapon. Right. Well, I don't want to waste any time. I'd like, well, I'm just, sorry, I'm just reviewing exactly what going deep does. It allows you two maneuvers. So you could, um, what you could effectively do with going deep is you could spend one maneuver to ready an icebreaker, use an incidental to get to uh, a server, an action to break the ice, and if you're successful, you could then use a maneuver to mess around with the system and pull information out. Sounds good. Yeah, that's... So yeah, I would like to go deep and see if I can use that sequence to go after the research and experimentation. Um... I'd like to prepare my Gordian blade, and um, okay. and yeah, go after the ice that's blocking the research and experimentation files. Awesome! So you use your incidental and you move up to the ice, so you can move. I'll just move you. You go like wink. You're here, and you begin to en- encounter the ice. And actually, I'm going to change to a little bit more exciting music. It's pretty exciting. What's more exciting? Let's find out. My mind's going to get blown. All right. And so uh, you're moving forward into the system. Uh, You pass by some initial stuff and you encounter the first piece of ice, which rezzes in front of you as an enigma. You readied a Gordian Blade, which was correct. Enigma yes. is, in fact, a code gate. Woo! And hang on while I just read out what Enigma is, because it's pretty cool. So as it reses in front of you, you get to know uh, the identity, strength, and uh, sort of characteristics of the ice. Um, if a runner attempts to break this ice and fails, they lose access to the entire system and must perform the access system action again. Before breaking Enigma, you must spend a maneuver studying it. If you are unable to do so, you may not attempt to break Enigma. Okay. So, um, you went deep, so you have the maneuver uh, to spend right now and study Enigma, figuring out its strange sort of puzzles and then you I can will, att- I will study Enigma cool so then you can take your action to break it you make a computer's hacking mm-hmm. the difficulty um, is 2 okay and Enigma's strength is 5 which means your uh, successes must exceed 5 but Gordian Blade adds its strength to your successes. 
it, yeah, it'll add uh, it'll add one advantage to the results and more. Um, so Gordian Blade has a strength. Oh, okay. How do uh, I know what its strength see, is? You is see it? what it it should say under its uh, text. I'm just pulling it up in the book. Gordian Blade has override strength three. And, uh, oh no, so Corroder is the one that adds an extra. Gordian Blade has the special rule. While Gordian Blade is active, the runner may spend two advantage to increase Gordian Blade's override strength to four until the end of their following turn. What would I spend? Uh, Two advantage. But really, what we're doing right now, you're rolling a computer's check against a difficulty two. Okay, and so with that, you got a success and a threat. So you've got one success. Gordian Blade has an override strength of three, which means that you got four successes. You needed six to break the code gate. What does that mean then? So Gordian Blade's effects activate and you were booted from the system. Now, uh, the threat also resolves... Which one threat? Uh, I'm going to say that uh, it turns out that this is a disorganized system. Um, as you're booted, um, you notice that Clarence's stuff is just poorly annotated and everything's moved a little bit. Your next computer's check has a setback die. Great. So and so you're, the... you're, yeah, you're booted back to the front, and you have to take a little bit of time to re-access. And so we'll sort of jump back out while you're doing that and advance everybody else's story. That's good. Uh, so let's go with friction. You're sitting right beside Clarence. What a, uh, what's going on with your conversation? I am going to try to like figure what they're talking about in general, or like you know if they're having a good night out, what the conversations are about. And then try to really, like, fangirl hard to be like, Whoa, tell me about that. Okay. Um, So they would be talking about... What would they be talking about? They'd be talking about the latest um, sporting event at the Blue Sun Stadium that they went to. There was some, uh, like, incredible... Incredible game that uh, they're just still on a high like three days after having watched it. Okay, so then I, even if I know the sport, I'm going to pretend I don't know the sport and I'm going to try to like charm them or like make it fun for them to explain to me how this game is played with like the salt and pepper shakers and our drinks on the table. Nice. So like a really low tech way to explain it. So I'll be like, well, if this is the kicker, what does this guy do? Okay, so is that a deception? Uh, let me check. My, let me check my skills and get back to you on that. <laughs> I didn't see deception. Uh, scroll all the way down. There's a social heading. Ah. 
Yeah, I could do deception. Uh, yeah, it's probably that more so than a uh, streetwise, eh? Uh, yes. Okay, so I'll do a deception. Okay, um, I would say that it's definitely an easy difficulty. So one? Yeah, one purple. All right. Son of a... I'm so bad with dice. That is one failure, but two advantage. Okay, so um, I'm going to say that most of the group sees through it, but the advantage is that they don't think you have any sort of nefarious thing. They think that you're trying to fit in or possibly hit on one of them. Which one do you think it is? Um, what was the girl's name with the pneumatic arm? Uh, Sino, not a pneumatic arm. Gmod. Gmod. Sorry, and her name was... Sino. S-E-N-O. <laughs> as soon as you said Genome, I got confused with... Sino. I can't keep those two words in my head. Her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. So, um... She's kind of like... Well... I could tell you a bit more about it and kind of leans in and is making sure to show you the game, but everybody else is kind of like laughing behind their hands and their attention is wandering because they're giving you a little space. That's okay. I did my best. <laughs> Maybe the wander, the attention will wander to Ion. Let's see what Ion's up to. You still dancing on the dance floor? Um, yeah, I am, but I've kind of dialed back the dancing a little just to catch my breath a bit. And uh, I'm sort of trying to keep an eye out um, to make sure that, uh, to see if anyone's going towards Camille and Geis. Okay. Um... There's definitely lots of people just sort of walking around, but there's no role required to see that nobody seems suspicious of them right now. Everybody's kind of minding their own business for now. So do you want to... Uh, do you want to specifically, like, change to watching over them or like and make a perception or a vigilance role um yeah i would like to do that okay so then if anything is happening then it would have to get by you and camille so uh yeah go ahead and make a make a vigilance role uh with a simple difficulty so no purples advantage okay all right sounds good so two advantage there uh what else are other people doing camille or spaz i'm not really doing anything different just still 
keep in guard like I said I was planning on doing. That's it. Sounds good. Spaz is getting really into the pool over here, to the billiards, and um, has started moseying on over to this other table and hitting on this girl. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so... Make a charm roll at a daunting difficulty for purples uh, with a setback die because they were suspicious of you. Uh oh. And so there are these two women, and they're both uh, sort of rough looking uh, one with dark hair, one with light hair, both uh, like sort of short cuts with. Uh, Okay. Oh my uh, gosh. Two failure and four threat. <laughs> so hey, the- yeah, yo, girls. They're like, what's up? How's it going over here? Yo, you want me to show you how to really play? Yeah, let me tell you how to hold these pool cues. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and the woman with the light hair walks up to you and sort of pushes you physically away, leans in and says, you are bothering me and my date. No, that's fine. And she says, it looks like you don't feel like playing any more pool tonight. No, I just... I, what are you talking about? No, man. Like, I was just coming over here trying to be helpful. You guys are all like, whatever, dude. No, I'm going to get drunk. Screw you, girl. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so then let's go back to the run. Cool. All right. So I definitely like to re-enter the system. Yeah. So it's an average difficulty, but this time with the setback die. Yeah. Let me just make sure because I have a talent that I should have used before. Uh, when does my custom code... No, it's it's once I'm using the ice. Okay, let's see if I can get yeah. in first. So the custom code uh, is your corroder has been custom coded, which oh. gives you... I've written it in under corroder. Oh, it, you did make it specific it to the corroder, corroder. Excuse me. I thought I could I assign it to any icebreaker. Okay, never yeah. mind. All right, let's, let me just see if I can get back into this enigma. All right, yeah, so first you access the pad. Step back. Okay, so two difficulty, one step back, and then my computer hacking skills. That is correct. Success and three advantage, which is perfect. Okay. Uh, I don't see a setback die in there. Uh, weird. Why didn't it roll the setback die? It's the black one, right? Yeah. Go ahead and just roll one setback die. Okay, and so the setback die came up blank, so it's all good. One success and three advantage. So you actually... Oh, I see. Sorry. If you leave it, the cursor is still blinking. Like, if you don't exit out of the the clicker, it won't roll the dice. Makes sense. Yeah. 
Okay, so for three advantage, you got a couple of things that you could do. Uh, you could troll other people in the server, inflicting three strain on them, but there's nobody else in the server right now. Oh, you can create a permanent back door. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah, the runner sets up a permanent means of accessing the system without needing to deal with its verification protocols. The difficulty of the access system action becomes easy as long as the runner can access the back door. I like the sound of that. But do I still need... I need to, I need to also be... Can I, how much advantage does that cost to keep that back door open? Uh, you generated three advantage. So you yeah. just spend that, and you've got that backdoor forever now. Oh, okay. Yeah, that does sound advantageous, because I, I wanted the two advantage to spend on my Gordian Blade, but that backdoor seems more important for now. Mm, yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah, let's set up the backdoor, and uh, I'll just use my regular override strength of three on my Gordian Blade, and see if I can get this enigma taken out um okay is there and so anything you're... else i can do to to buff buff this hack can i yes you can spend a story point okay let me just see if i can spend two strain to do anything no no the story point's the way to go okay i'll spend a story point Cool. So, yeah, the same thing happens. You spend your maneuver readying your, your Gordian Blade. You know that it's an enigma you're coming up against, and it's got its bright blue, shiny, faceless self. Uh, you spend another maneuver studying the enigma, and now you're able to spend your action to break it. You use a story point, so your pool's going to be three yellow dice, two purple dice, and whenever you're ready. Do I still have the setback? No, or the is setback is for entry. Gone. Okay, great. Yeah, it was only on the next check. Okay, perfect. Wow. Perfect. Because with my uh, override power of three, that should give me the six successes I need, right? Yeah, exactly. So you've got three successes, an advantage, and a triumph. Um, so that gets you in. The triumph you can use... Oh, so let me explain what happens once you break the ice. Uh, the ice deactivates until the end of your next turn, at which point it'll boot you back uh, sort of right. outside of this area. Um, your triumph, you can use a hard shutdown. If you successfully broke a piece of ice, it is so thoroughly disabled that it cannot be reactivated for the remainder of the encounter. Uh, other things you could do is you could mask the origin of your signal, canceling a trace against you, but you don't have any traces. Or you could scout ahead, learn the type, strength, and rules of one unencountered piece of ice on the system. Oh, man. Let me just think about that. So does my, uh, my easy entry past the servers, will that remain... Um, if I go after other pieces of ice in this system, now yeah, that I've established so that. Okay, Enigma was the thing that knocked you out of the system, right? And so, if you hit another Enigma, it might knock you out, and then you would only have the difficulty one to get back in, right? That that stays forever. Okay. And you can use your triumph to say Enigma's gone, or to 
see what one of these other three pieces of ice are. I think I want to see what the ice is. Okay. Oh, and uh, you also have one more advantage, so you can get a boost die on your next computer's action anyways. Perfect. So, which ice would you like to see? This one. Okay. So I will reveal that one. And it is a piece of ice called a hawk's eye. And it appears as a like an actual digital blue hawk kind of pixelated, sort of like overlooking the server. And it hasn't noticed you yet, but you know that it is a sentry, strength four. Um, now, a hawk's eye. It's lovely, interesting things. If a runner attempts to break the ice and fails, the sysops on the system are immediately notified of the intrusion. Uh, and then you get traced, which means that they would know a general location of where you are. The, um, the sysops, if they know a runner is in their system, can take actions to trace the runner. And if they get five traces on you, they know your exact location anywhere, physically. Um, and then once a sysop has traces on you, they can also attempt to lock you out of the system, but it's very, very difficult until they get more traces. Now, additional rules on Hawkseye. If the runner generates two threat when attempting to break Hawkseye, Hawkseye provides any sysops who access the system during the encounter one successful trace against the runner. So even if you break it, if you have threat, it'll trace you. Okay. All right. Now, um, so you spent a maneuver looking at Enigma, and then another maneuver was readying your icebreaker. So you've come in and you've ended your turn here. But you can start your turn. We'll we'll stay in this encounter before jumping back out. Um, and you start your turn here. It is a maneuver to enact command. Uh, there's no action you can... Oh, wait, hang on. Yeah, so the Enact Command Maneuver lets your character perform a single command within the system. Uh, so that allows you to... Like, grab info. Already grab some info? Yeah. Okay. I mean... Or maybe this is technically the attempt access incidental. No, that's that's just uh, you're in the system and now you and now you look at it using a maneuver. Haven't I already performed two maneuvers this this action though? We're starting a new round. Oh, okay. Okay. And because then... there's no sysops in here, you just get to go again. And then at the end of this turn, Enigma will pop back up, and you'll get kicked out of this research and experimentation. Sounds good. Well, I'll. Am I still going deep? Do I still get my two maneuvers? You sure do. Perfect. Well, I'll let's start extracting information with my first maneuver, maneuver and see what happens. All right. So, what are you looking for? I mean, 
it's research and experimentation so i'm looking for any information that's relevant to you know the project that we're hoping to spy on so i'm hoping these files contain details of the location time um and you know logistics of of this military test that we're looking at mm-hmm. so um the yeah so what you would find you would be searching through and you would come across a reference to a um Prisec team that was hired and a and the time of uh their operation which is uh within two days it's less than 48 hours in the evening um you need to take that's basically the time you could take another maneuver to look for location target um those sorts of things it's basically one maneuver one question okay uh well i'll spend my other deep maneuver to find the location of the test as well okay so oh sorry um i had that as one clue so uh, the test is taking place in the chicana undercity in less than 48 hours so that one's a freebie and then you have another one that you can go for um let me think i get any details on you know the resistance or security that will you know be at the test site Mm-hmm. So, an interesting thing, the Prysec team was notified that the test has been upda- upgraded to live field conditions. As in, Ooh. they are going to employ the weapons on a, uh, on a target that will potentially give them... Uh, Actually, uh, I think that that would be straight enough in the same thing. Uh, live field conditions against a street banger gang. Do we know which gang? The uh, name of the gang is not listed here, but you do have the location. So you could, uh, guys could continue to try and dig with further actions, or outside of the run in a separate thing as you're setting up, you could try and do your own research. I mean, I do have Yakuza ties, so... Okay. So that's uh, your two maneuvers. Sounds good. And so you can use an incidental to move around in the server and then an action. Or if you end your turn, Enigma reactivates and you're back to just sort of the access point. Sounds good. Um, what can I do with my action? Uh, you could break another piece of ice, or you could burn the server down. Oh, man, I'm so curious what's behind that hawk's eye. <laughs> and so, um, the <laughs> uh. There's the hawk's eye, and then there's another piece of ice behind it, and oh, yeah, then there's a server it. that is uh, locked down. Yeah. Oh, but, I mean, I know you put something juicy in there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is the hawk's eye another... Um, is it a physical 
piece of can do I know anything about that piece of ice? You know that it's a sentry at strength four. You don't. Oh, right, have... it's a sentry. I don't even have anything that can take on sentries. But you can always just roll against it. If your strength yeah. is five or higher, then you succeed. And you also know that it doesn't stop you. If you encounter it and you fail, uh, you get traced, but you are able to move on to the next piece of ice. Right. I need a. Oh, no, I need to get one more than its strength. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm so scared. I want to do it because it's fun. Uh, yeah, I want to go after that piece of ice if I can. Okay, so uh, you use your incidental, you move over to Hawkseye, uh, you encounter it, and uh, like the the eyes just turn towards you and they begin to glow. Uh, you can go ahead and make a computer's hacking test with a boost die because of um, your last roll when you got an advantage. Right. Is Are the boost dies the white die? That is correct, and you have a difficulty of two. Perfect. Okay, let me just make sure I got everything. Tickety-boo. Okay. Ah, nope. So, uh, I was unsuccessful, and I have taken on a threat. Okay, now I believe that it is two threat that causes an additional trace. Yeah. So what happens is that you are traced once and then uh, Hawkseye deactivates until the end of your next turn. Okay. Okay, and then so I'm just going to give you one little red dot. Now, nah, we're going to we're going to put the traces right here. Would you throw it? Uh, it? In the top right of your uh, thing, it should have a little one now. Oh, yeah. Cool. I think that worked. Anyway. Yeah, it looks good. Cool. Uh, so you are traced, and a sysop is aware of your, uh, <laughs> your activities within here. Enigma uh, reactivates, and you sort of move past Hawkseye. Uh, you don't know what the next piece of ice is until you encounter it uh, on your next turn, which gives you the opportunity to uh, ready an icebreaker. So then let's go back outside. Uh, While this is all happening, what is everybody else doing? Um, I decided that I'm actually just going to keep an eye on on Clarence, and if he seems to get bored and gets up and leaves the table, I'm planning on approaching him right away. So I'm still just on the dance floor, but I'm more keeping an eye on Clarence than anything now. That's perfect, because I literally just rolled percentiles to see when he felt like leaving, and it was now. So, because I was like, "Eh, you know, it's gonna be like three quarters, like 75 and up, and I rolled a 98. So, you see... Clarence kind of like gestured to a couple of his friends and he begins to stand up and like touches his coat. It looks like he's heading outside. What do you want to do? It looks like he's trying to leave with some of his friends, not just himself. 
yeah, it looks like he's done with the club, and they're probably trying to give Friction and Sino a little bit of space. Jeez, I was going to ask him if he wanted to have a drink, but now that he's with all of his friends... Uh, I'd say there's yeah. still an opportunity to do that. Yeah, I guess I could do it anyways. Um, I think maybe I will offer to buy them drinks. Do you think it's... Uh, I would say that it's more suspicious to buy all of them drinks than to just pick out one person and be like, hey, do you want to have a drink with me? Okay, yeah, I'm just I'm just going to approach Clarence and ask him if he wants to go and get a drink. I'll tell him that um, uh, I'm really thirsty. I've been <laughs> dancing for a long time. So, and I didn't want to just sit all by myself over by the clone dancers. So, does he want to grab a drink? Okay, um... So go ahead and make me a roll. Let's see. This is going to be an average difficulty. So that's two purple. I'm going to say there's a setback die because he feels like he's ready to go. But I'm also going to throw in a boost die because he's a little bit jealous of Sino. Also, I'm super charming, so does that get me some more dice? Yeah, because you'll use your charm skill. I might as well use a story point now. I mean, if there ever was a really good time to use a story point, totally. today, it's now, so I'm going to go ahead and do that. We really, really need him to stay. Failure and three advantage. Failure and three advantage. It was a good try. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say that... So he's not going to take you up on the drink. But... Oh, actually, this is a good one. Um... It's a failure. He is... He definitely feels like leading. He says, you know, I'm very flattered, um, but it's been a long night, and I just... I gotta get going home. And you notice that his pad is sticking out of his pocket, and if you wanted to try and skullduggery that... There's an opportunity with a boost die. Yes, I do. I would definitely like to pickpocket him. Okay, so then average difficulty, two purple. I think you could use another point if you wanted. I would really like to, I would okay. really like to still have one to try and get to that, that juicy file, but We'll just totally. see. I think we yeah. have four left, so? No, that Merrick's got four. We have two left. Oh, but... snap. Yeah. But you only need one. I only need one, and you know what? If it's not there, it's not there. I've had yeah. plenty of fun already. I think it's important that you actually get it out of his pocket <laughs> and don't get caught. 
Yeah, because I mean, that's if, true. If he leaves with his pad, then the hacking is done anyway, right? Well, we'll have to follow him so I can maintain proximity, and that'll just increase the sketchiness. So, yeah, definitely go for it. So, okay, I guess I'm using a story point then. Why? But only one. Why did it go so? Oh, yeah. How did that happen? I definitely only meant to take one. That's all right. I could fix it. These tunes rule. They really do. Soto's Roll Twenties Interactive Tabletop. Woo! <laughs> Look at the lasers. Well, you can lasers. I think I might have had one too many drinks in this club because I was unsuccessful with one advantage, one advantage so I didn't oh. drink too much. But... Okay, so you uh you go to palm it, but it's just like as he's moving it slides deeper into his coat and you're just unable to grab it. But the advantage, I would say, is nobody's suspicious of you. Thank you. Okay, so I'm going to say that Clarence and uh, Ruby and Raul uh, start heading out. And uh, there's going to be one more round of actions uh, for Geist to do this in here before uh, anything else might be happening. Now, what is everybody else up to? I think Ross had something. Um, like, well, we kind of need to follow them now, right? So, I mean, I can completely change my appearance and uh... We're gonna have one more shot at it before we lose him. If I understood Merrick correctly. Yeah, that's correct. And I don't think we need to follow him. Do we get the information we needed? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm just going for. I'm going for. We the don't shot. know that though. Out here. We don't know that, but guys. Guys can tell you. Everybody has uh, comm links and pads. Guys can actually send a message while he's in the server. But he isn't he. In deep? Yeah, like just a text message. Like he Very can cool. Yeah, yeah so I'll, just I'll BBM it, that out. Yeah, you just send to the, the operation group chat. Uh Intel uh secured going after some more juicy bits. Some JBs. Yeah. So Spaz after his blow up went to the bar and was drinking and he saw them walk past the hallway that he was looking down and started scrambling over here he's like trying to meet them trying to meet them at the uh, exit yeah and then <clears throat> sorry if he can uh, catch up to them he'd just bump past them and then run out in front of them and sort of hold up the hallway arguing with the coat check. <laughs> okay, so the coat check is a um, is a clone and is just so friendly 
Like, yes, sir. Was there a problem? Yeah, man, like, totally, like, dude, like, these chicks over there, they don't know what's going on. They wouldn't let me play pool over there. And, like, dude, I totally want my coat back, man. They stole my ticket, though. Like, it must fell on my pocket or some shit. Uh, dude, that's my that's my coat, bro. Come on, man. Dude, yo! Okay, so... Um, making a scene and sort of filling up this area. Uh, hmm. What skill is that? Uh... Bullshitting? <laughs> yeah, would that be a deception, deception if he didn't actually leave his coat? Yeah, I guess it'd be a deception. I mean, the goal is is to kind of uh, stop the people from moving. So I would say that if you're doing a deception in that case, it's like you're trying to lie to the clones so that it's not suspicious, and then you could spend advantage to have them, like, watch the show. Or you could be, like, making a coordination role to just kind of always be in the way. Yes! Yes! That one! That's totally it. Yeah, so, like, every time they move to get past you, you're just kind of in their way until they back up annoyed at you. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so then I would say that that is an average difficulty with a setback die because there's three of them. And if you succeed, you'll buy Justin another round. Oh, please do. Success with three complications? All right. Yeah, two successes, three threat. Okay, okay, I got this. Three threat is pretty high, and so you succeed in slowing them down, but as they are passing by, Raul, the one with the fedora and the red hair, uh, or sorry, that's that's Ruby. Ruby, the one with the fedora and the red hair, uh, they, they throw an elbow at you, and you take three strain. Yeah, yeah, that's totally exactly what I was going for. <laughs> okay, but you've bought another round. Um, anything that Friction or Camille are up to? Uh, Friction is uh, trying to hit on this woman. Uh, she's pretty open to it at this point. Uh, I have charm. Okay. Um, I would say, like... Are you trying to... What is your goal? It's just always good to have more friends. Like, I use my networks. Makes sense. Okay, average difficulty with a boost dive. Son of a... I cannot pass anything. I had so many positive dice and only one negative dice. That is uh, one failure and three advantage. So, um, <sighs> she's uh, 
I would say that this seems to be heading towards kind of like a one night stand situation and not so much a, a lengthy uh, connection. Yeah, I just really wanted like someone I could call in favors. Yeah, I'd say she's like, you know, we could head out of here and grab a small room. Yeah, I'll have to like talk my way out of that one. But let's just that happens. <laughs> I got work to do tonight. And so Camille sees uh Clarence and the other two heading out, uh, but then sees that Spaz is on the job. Is there anything that you wanted to do? I think that with Geis in deep right now, it's better for me to continue keeping an eye on him than trying to buy him more time. Because if someone gets wise to the fact that he's running right now and he's got no defense, then that extra round might not mean a whole lot. Okay. I don't know if I'm going to have time either way, depending on what this ice is, but we'll see. All right. So let's hop in. And uh, what would you like to do, Justin? Uh, let's get my corroder ready. <clears throat> okay. I, one maneuver for corroder. Yeah, that's that's a strong my strongest thing, so... I'm going to have a chance. That's it. Okay. And then do I get to see the piece of ice? Yeah. So your incidental is to reveal a Heimdall 1.0, which is a barrier. All right. So Heimdall. Strength 7. Uh, you know that uh, a Heimdall-type ice is actually a bioroid that is uh, integrated into the system. Somewhere it has a physical body, and it's kind of like an extra sysop. This particular one, if you attempt to break the ice and fail, you are unable to access the subsystem that it protects, and there are no other effects. Uh, during your turn, you may spend a maneuver to interact with Heimdall 1.0. If you do, you decrease the program strength by one until the end of uh, the next round. However, you must add a threat to your roll for each previous time you've encountered Heimdall 1.0 until the end of the encounter. It learns how you are running. It's quite the piece of tech. Mm-hmm. Well, what do we think, people? Should I spend a story point to try and take this thing down? Because if I'm able to roll two advantage, my custom code will come into play. And uh, I guess that just gets me another advantage, not necessarily a success. So I have to roll, <clears throat> what, a four? I have to roll yeah, four so successes over on the top my corroder to beat it. Yeah, what's the uh, strength on your corroder? I think it's got an override of four. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa, I made that way too big. Sorry about that. 
Um, okay, and then so your custom code is that all checks with Corroder generate one additional advantage. So you, like, you've effectively already rolled an advantage because of custom code. And then you can spend two advantage to reduce the strength of the ice. Um, so you can also basically convert two advantage to one success. That's what that means because it's Corroder. Okay, and then so, yeah, uh, you're rolling a computer's hacking against a difficulty of two. Yeah, just didn't quite get it. Yeah, so you've got two successes and two advantage, which is actually two successes and three advantage because the corroder gives you that extra one. Um, So with the strength of... What was it? Corroder was four. So that gets you to a six. And then you can transfer two advantage to make it a seven. And it just barely doesn't do it. I should have spent the point. All good. Okay. So I tied it. Yeah, you tied it. Corroder um, corrodes it. So on its next encounter... Its strength is six. That's what your two advantage does. And then your one advantage, you could get a um, boost die for your next roll. I'll do that. Okay. And then the Sysop gets a turn. And he is going to attempt to trace you. So you begin to notice another sort of uh, set of protocols... Uh, becoming active within the server. And so we're going to make an opposed role. It is my uh, computer sysop versus your computer's hacking. So uh, you just roll a computer's hacking with uh, no difficulty. That boost that I got in the last roll, is that to my next roll or my next, like... Uh, hacking roll. It is to your next roll, so it would be on this one. You can't save it. Okay, sounds good. Five advantage. <laughs> Oof. Okay, and then uh, computer's sysop is uh, two one. I uh, got two success and one advantage. So, basically, you end up with four advantage, and they trace you again. You have two traces on you. What's the threshold? Five, and they they got me down? Or is it three, that they get my general location? Oh, sorry, it's four. Okay, so this is what it is. One, this was the first one. The sysop learns what country the runner is. Uh, currently in, and whether the runner is on the Earth, Moon, or in orbit. Um, two, the Sysop learns what state, province, or region region the runner is in within that country. The Sysop reduces the difficulty of the lockout action twice. So basically, he could try to lock you out at a difficulty of three now, or he could continue to trace you. At a trace three, he knows what city you're in uh, within a 10-kilometer radius. At a trace four, he knows precisely where you are. Great. Great question. Yes, love. 
Did anybody talk about yet that we're supposed to do this so that he doesn't know he was compromised? So aren't we like maybe yep. failing our mission? That's true, we are pissing or yeah, we are messing around a bit. Okay, well, it is the start of your turn. You can uh basically jack out and uh the trace will stop at the two where they just know that basically you're in South America. Right. Or next you turn could... the Hawkeye is going to activate and get another tr- free trace on me too, isn't it? Oh yeah, I forgot about the Hawkeye because it's at the end of this turn. So, sorry, the Hawkeye actually activates now. Which means that you are effectively sort of back here and oh, you okay. need to um, hit the Hawkeye and the Heimdall. And you can just like burst through the Hawkeye and take the other trace. Nah, that's too risky, because, yeah, Friction's correct. He's, mm-hmm. he's not supposed to know that he got burned. And we did extract some information from him, so maybe it's yeah. time to walk away. Yeah, with two traces, they don't know that uh, you know, that Clarence has been compromised. If you get up to four, it's gonna be pretty dicey. Yeah, not worth it. Okay. I'm, I'm going to walk away. Let them get their coats. Okay. And so the elbows get thrown at that point. All right. So, um, I mean, Clarence leaves. Friction talks her way out of her situation. And- I was going to send Ion an IOS, like an SOS text. Get me out of here. Ah, <laughs> All right, I like it. What does Ion do? Um, I'm going to come up to your table and just uh, act like a long lost friend. Like, hey, I haven't seen you in a long time. How are you doing? Oh, man, we have so much to catch up on. So glad I ran into you because I have so much to tell you. I've been trying. Oh, that's so awesome! I lost your number. I was like really sad about it. We really. I'm sorry. I gotta run. Um, it was really nice to meet you, but man, we go way back. Yeah, let's go get a drink. Okay. Hey, nice to meet you. See you later. Bye. <laughs> and she was just kind of like, mm. and then she like looks over her shoulder and sees her friends have left, and she's like, "All right," she stands up and heads out. I got you, girl. Okay. So, are we going to follow him or what? No, I think we can just go on to finding, to observing the weapon, right? Or if there's a piece of us that feels guilty and wants to stop it so it doesn't kill a whole bunch of gang people, but I mean, I'm fine just to just observe. Yeah, we can just observe. There's five billion people in this city anyways. Yeah, it's totally gonna be a, then. This the other gang's gonna come in my shop, and we'd be cool like that. You mean you know? We do have two days to oh, get there. Oh, it's in two days. I thought yeah. it was tonight. Because it's in Chicana in two days, forty-eight hours from when I was in there. So we could do stuff, or we could just 
highly prepare. I don't know oh. if we could get story story dice back or something. Oh, within 48 oh, hours. Oh, okay. Right. Within 48 hours. Not like you need to travel for 48 hours. Sorry. Yes, it's two days away. But not location-wise. God, it'll take you like 30 minutes to get there. I don't know why I can't make that clear in my own voice. <laughs> um, but yeah, and story points back. Uh, I was going to spend some on the next trace, but uh, that didn't happen. So yeah, so, what were you able to learn about the security for the test again? I know that you were you learned that it was going to be a live test against a gang. Yeah, that that's that's more or less what I was able to get. So, I mean, obviously, they consider this a high priority, you know, test. So I, I would assume that there will be a reasonable amount of you know security and resistance to make sure that you know the test is pure and that it's kept. Uh, you know, it goes off correctly. So, other than that, no real insight into what sort of ice or what sort of physical security they'll have up. So, yeah, that's all I got. So, Merrick, what is a disenfranchisto? Those are basically the other 500 million people who don't have uh, identification. Like, they basically don't have SIN cards. They're just, like, illegals who live in the city outside of the system. Which, uh, Chicana under city, that's where people, that's where disenfranchisos would live. Thanks for listening to this episode of Massive Damage Adventures. We do a different one-shot every month, and I hope you check out our next one. Please rate and subscribe and follow us on Twitter at SkyHammerK and on Instagram at SkyHammerPress. If you want some outtakes, keep listening after I stop talking. Yeah, but I've got a question for you. Abs positively. Do you have this playlist set up on Spotify at all? I have it on YouTube. But um, I can give you a link to the 150 song Spotify playlist that I uh, pulled this from. Yes, please. Not right and now, I, but you know, eventually. <laughs> I can also give you the YouTube links for these playlists because I have uh, a background one, a combat one, etc., etc. I think Spotify might be better because then there's no commercials. This is true. <laughs>